be very transparent tonight. Hebrews chapter 11 to begin with. Hebrews chapter 11. I just want to talk to you tonight. I suppose I'll preach a little bit, I suppose, but it's family tonight. And I don't normally like small crowds, and I wish there were more people here. Of course, that's true, but the people that are supposed to be here are here tonight, and uh, it is what it is, of course. And uh, there's some folks that are not here tonight that I don't blame. Uh, just, I'm going to pick on some folks here just on purpose. Uh, uh, Wayne and Janet Richards, for example, they're in their 80s. They live halfway across town. It's dark outside, in case you haven't noticed. They're watching football. They're watching. <laughs> That's funny. You know, my point is, I give them a pass. Jane, what were you going to say? Go ahead. Oh, is that right? Now, here, I was just going to say, it doesn't matter why they weren't here, I give them a pass. And uh, I know what it's like not to feel so good physically. Betty's not here tonight. And Betty's... Uh, Betty's uh, Paul, don't get mad at me. Don't tell Betty I tattled on her, but Betty's uh, dealing with some physical maladies. Uh, I don't say this to invoke your sympathy. I get enough sympathy as it is, but uh, I've been dealing with some physical maladies here for quite a while myself, and you probably noticed, and I'm trying to hide it, and I'm just getting older, and I'm not that old, but I'm getting older, and at the same time, I think I'm getting on a rebound here. And uh, I want to preach on faith tonight here. As soon as I get there, I got it in the pocket finally. Good night. Hebrews chapter 11. Let me get started here. I just want to talk to you for a few minutes here and be very transparent tonight. Hebrews chapter 11. You can remain seated for the reading of the word of God. How about that? Verses 1 to 7. Some things never change. Just read responsibly. Read the three even-numbered verses, 2, 4, and 6 with me, please. And uh, let's read with some emphasis if we can. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 7, and reading responsively. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I want to deal tonight with the absolute necessity of faith. I preached this message for the first time 29 years ago. I don't think anybody remembers it, I'm sure, because nobody was here 29 years ago except for Sonny, probably. And uh, I preached it on Sunday morning service. It'll come out completely different tonight here, I'm sure, 29 years later. But I mentioned this morning, and again, I, for the second last time or third and last time, and I'll, I'll try not to be repetitive, but uh, I want to be transparent tonight, and I want to be just very open tonight. 
It's a new day. I mentioned this morning, it's a new day for Harvest Baptist Church. It's a fresh start. It's a fresh start for you. Every day is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. You don't have to wait till January 1st to get a new start, a fresh start. This is the first day of the week, Sunday. Uh, we, we didn't break 100 people this, this morning. That, 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 normally that would crush me. It absolutely crush me. Not so much this morning. I just realized it's a new day. Uh, Sunday nights, they're so old, they're almost a new thing. Nobody has Sunday night services anymore. I've said this several times before. Do you realize in this crowd that we have tonight, a very humble crowd, this is, I dare, dare say, and I, I, I challenge anybody to tell me a church that has a larger group of Christians that are gathering together anywhere in Litchfield County, in, in any church of any stripe, of any color, that has this many people in church service on a Sunday night. Sunday nights have gone by the wayside. Churches that were running 500 were now running 200. Churches that are running 300 are now running 100. It's a, there's a plague that's going on, and Sunday nights have gone by the wayside by across the board in denominations. The Assembly of God 15, 20 years ago did away with their Sunday night services. Southern Baptists have done away with Sunday night services. Independent Baptists have done away with Sunday night services. And I'm not saying that Sunday night services are the answer, the catch-all. We, uh, Brother Eric, uh, Phil Erickson was here last Sunday night. He just texted me a couple, day, a couple hours ago this afternoon and said, hope you had a good service today. He called me on Friday. He called me on Tuesday. I took him on a spiritual, he and his wife, on a spiritual history tour, of course. He teaches at the Vision Baptist College, uh, about 100 students or so. It's the largest church that I know of in all of New England, and of course, that's New Jersey, the Solid Rock Baptist Church. They have several hundred people tonight in their evening service, which would be the largest church anywhere in the six New England states in New York and, and uh, maybe not New York, but New Jersey for sure. Uh, he, was, he told me last Sunday night, I had to apologize. I apologized in advance for our crowd. I said, we're down. And uh, he said on Monday, he was very complimentary, and we spent the whole day together, and he said, uh, preacher, I got news for you. I know most preachers down, down where I, I am from, and he, he says that they would kill for the crowd that you had on Sunday night. I said, kill? Are you kidding me? I mean, no f- expression of uh, crazy expression, but you know what I mean. He said, you had a great crowd. You got a great church. He said, you people were very easy to preach to. But I want you to know that it's a new world that we're living in in 2019. It's not 1989 or 1990 when I preached this message. Uh, I preached a message a month ago entitled Offensive Faith. You know, that's how I used to do my messages. This is what you're going to hear in the next few minutes here, hopefully, or at least a variation of it. I put it down front and back, just scribbled down notes as long before computer days. And uh, I preached this message, Offensive Faith, like four Sundays ago. I preached it to Harvest Baptist Church for the second time, 2002. I wrote down on the top of my paper the date I preached. The service Sunday morning, this is HBC, Sunday morning, 9-2, September 2nd, 1990. I preached offensive faith to 300 people in 2002. We moved into the church building, and God gave us immediate success. In 2001, we, and some of you were here, I'm looking at you, some of your old timers. You remember how God just prospered our church out. We grew by 100 people. We probably were the fastest growing church in the state of Connecticut, at least Independent Baptist, for sure. The years 2002 and 2003. Well, 2019, not so much. 
2019, we were preaching to smaller crowds than ever before. And I don't want to make excuses, but I'm telling you, it's all over the country. I went to the mall. I mentioned it in my morning service. It was two Mondays ago. I don't go to malls. I, could make, I made the joke of it this morning, but I don't go to malls. I'm telling you, West Farms Mall, I'm not joking, was a ghost town. I was walking down the, the, uh, the center quarter. I'm looking at tens of millions of dollars of building facilities, hundreds of millions of dollars of building facilities. There was nobody in the mall. I was walking down one of those corridors from Lord's Lord and Taylor. Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. I was the only one in the whole corridor. I was going by stores, pretty good-sized stores. There's one lady at the cash register and maybe one other employee. There's nobody in the stores. And I wasn't joking when I got to Apple Store. Everybody was there. <laughs> but the malls, uh, I, you know, the junk food, the news junkie that I am, um, I heard two, uh, nearly half of the malls in America are being closing in the next two years. It's called Amazon. It's called online. It's called Grubhub. It's called, we're, we're living in a whole new world. You say, preacher, what does this, no longer, who would ever think, us old timers, that Sears, Roebuck, J.C. Penney's, Macy's, Lord and Taylor's, on and on it could go. The anchor stores, the malls, they're going under. Now, I want you to know, now don't get nervous. I'm just, I told you I'm going to be transparent tonight. We're living in a different age. We're living in, uh, no longer do people come out for the fun thing to do on a Sunday night to drive in their 1950 car, 1970 automobile, whatever it is, and drive to church and, hey, let's hear the preacher and let's hear the choir sing, let's hear the special music. Man, that'd be exciting. Now we got all kinds of entertainment at our fingertips. Best entertainment we, want, we have. And we can get it whenever we want it. We're, becoming, we're closing off our society and we're becoming a little world unto ourselves. We're computer freaks. And I'm talking about our cell phones mainly. And some of you play the game, I know. I'm not trying to pick on my wife, but I know she loves her cell phone. And uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, now we'll go home tonight here. I'll turn on the TV and watch some NFL football is what I'll do. She'll, she'll get on her phone and she'll be looking at, uh, she'll be playing songs from uh, the greatest choirs around the country. Or around the, that's what she'll be doing. And I see, <laughs> yeah, some of you say, I know some people like that too. You know, we can get church anytime we want it in the best venue we wanted, with the best preacher we wanted, the best choir we wanted, anytime we want to, 24-7 at 1 o'clock in the morning. Why come to Harvest Baptist Church on a cold November night, or come to any other church for that matter, on a Sunday night when we can just bring church at our fingertips? It's happening all over America. And you say, preacher, what are we going to do about it? I was approached, I, I'm told, I'm going to get in trouble here. Don't worry. You say, preacher, did you think about it? Yeah, I thought about it for about... 4.2 seconds, I couldn't believe I was being offered. I had a preacher call me not too long ago, within the last month, not a joke, uh, knows that we're struggling a little bit and asked if I wanted to take a satellite church. Wanted to be a pastor of a satellite church where a mega pastor, he preaches a message and they got 12 locations, great salary package for the record. All they need is a shepherd to, to get the people there to church and so forth. And then you watch the, on the big screen, you watch the, the superstar preacher. I realized, I thought he was joking with me, and I realized he was kind of serious. That's what, we're going to satellite churches across America. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say in an in a introductory way that we're, we're living in a whole new world. But I want you to know some things that have changed, that have not changed. God is still on the throne. Amen. I want you to know some things that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. I said this morning, and it was medicine for me, we're in a new day. 2019 is not 1989. 
I could go back and I could rehearse history with you, but I don't want to bore you with the details. You wouldn't believe me, some of you, anyhow. I remember, I'll just give you one, for instance. Linda, you remember this. Remember when we had our first 10 meeting? I invited the mayor of Torrington, Connecticut. She came, the Catholic lady that she was. I called the Freener Home Director. He came. I called the copy machine guy. He came. A whole bunch of people came. We had 190 people in a 30 by 60 tent. We were running 30 people in church. We had 190 one Sunday. Next Sunday, we went back to 30. But the fact that we could get 190. This is, I, will, I work my tail off this week if I was in town here. And I'll, I'll make some calls. So there's a plan on Monday, tomorrow. And uh, if, I, if we try to get 190 here to next Sunday, I, or I'm dead, I'd, I'd probably be dead. Because we're not going to get it. They're not coming. Now, that's not being negative. That's just the new world that we live in. And it's not, again, I'm not being depressive. I'm just being, I'm being objective. I think I'm being honest. What do we need to do? Well, we need to learn to, to adapt without compromising. We need to learn how to adjust. Uh, I never thought, we're doing some same things that I never thought we'd do. I never thought, I know preachers to this day, I'll never do online giving. I was one of those preachers. We've lost several hundred dollars a week the last two weeks because we haven't had our online giving up and running. I know churches that, there's not churches that, all right, everybody pull out your cell phone. And we're going to go through this exercise together here, all right? Uh, we're going to have a word of prayer and praise, and then you hit your button and you give. That's the world that we live in. I've already asked the question. Now, some of you don't write a check out any longer. We, we live in a different world. There was a day when screens were wicked. Did you know that? There was a day, our, our churches are changing. And I've learned, uh, I hate to say this, but I've learned to never say never. Things that we said, well, we'll never do that. We're doing. Even us old people have to adjust. I got to learn how to put an app on my phone. I finally learned how to take an app off my phone, like 50 of them this, this past week here. I don't know how to put an app on, but I know how to take an app off now. Different world. Now, let me get to the message. And I'm not going to be long, and I mean, mean that. I'm not preaching. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> but uh, we read about Abel in verse number four. This hall of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We read about Abel. We, 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 he walked with God. The Bible says, he being dead, verse number four, last part of the verse. By it, he being dead yet speaketh. Abel, man of God, walked with God. By faith, the Bible says, he offered a more excellent sacrifice. He didn't know why he was offering that sacrifice, but he offered that sacrifice because God told him to. That was good enough. Enoch. He walked with God and was not, for God took him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What a testimony. Abraham, verse number eight, he walked with God. Noah, the kook, verse number seven. I mean, the kook, he, read, he built a boat in the middle of the desert when it had never rained before in the history of the world for 100 years. We look at these guys as heroes. I would submit to you that Abel would go through the whole list that Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, for that matter, Isaac and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Rahab the harlot, they were kooks in their own way. They were crazy people. They were despised. And yet they are the ones that made the hall of faith. I want to preach this evening here. I'll teach this evening or talk to you a little bit. 
the absolute necessity of faith. Faith, verse 1 again, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Well, I would submit to you that everything that's ever happened good in your life, eternal in your life, has happened by faith. So then faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by the what? Word of God. Aren't you glad you heard the word of God and you got, you, by faith, you exercised faith in the word of God and you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you called upon Christ to save you? Everything that you got, you got by faith. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above. It comes down from the Father of life, James 1.17 says. Bible says, verse number six is our, is our text verse, is the text verse of the whole chapter, of course. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's not optional that you can please him. It's not, maybe sometimes you can please him. Maybe uh, once in a while you can please him. No, it's impossible to please him without faith. For he that comes to him must believe that he is, that he's rewarded them that diligently seek him. One day as a little 11-year-old boy, I've told the story a thousand times. I didn't know anything. All that I knew is I came to church, a revival meeting. I didn't know what I was coming to a revival meeting. I heard the message preached, Jaden, and I said to myself, that preacher said, if I didn't receive Christ as my Savior, I'd die and go to hell. I didn't know really who Christ was, so I always knew he was the Son of God. Didn't know he was born of a virgin. Didn't know he was God the Son. Didn't know a ton of things. But I heard a love story. That God loved me, he wanted to rescue me from hell, and I didn't want to go there. As a little boy, maybe knowing, I think I knew Romans, or Psalm 23, because I memorized it to get a star in my paper on the, uh, in the vacation Bible school. And I probably learned John 3, 16, the gospel in a nutshell. And I came forward, and I received and exercised faith. And that little 11-year-old Ohio boy got gloriously saved as much as Paul got saved on the Damascus Road by faith. When you got saved, you got saved by faith. When you got washed by the blood of Christ, you got washed by faith. You're going to heaven, verse number 10 of our chapter. By faith he sojourned, that's Abraham, in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. That was a great verse, but I read verse 9, verse 10. For he looked for a city whose hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. I like nice mansions. I like big houses. I've been in the Biltmore Vanderbilt Mansion. I got a picture of the Biltmore Vanderbilt Mansion in Nashville, North Carolina. Yeah, I can tell you where it's at. It's above my bedstead. My, my head's right here. My picture of Biltmore Vanderbilt Mansion is right there. I love it. I'm glad I bought the most expensive painting I ever bought in my entire life. I love that picture. Because it's, it's grandiose. 256 rooms, I think it is. Seven acres, nine acres of of a house, it's like, and I, I want you to know, I'll never live in the Biltmore Vanderbilt Mansion, but I got a mansion just over the hilltop. I know you want me to sing. In that bright land where I'll never grow old. I believe it with all my heart. When I exercise faith, God said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place, I will come again to where I am there, there you receive also. There you may be also. Let me put, you on my, put on my glasses and I'll tell you what else I want to tell you. So according to this text, verse 2, there are many Christians that don't have a good name, a good testimony, a good report, because they didn't live by faith. 
For by it, again, verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good report, had a good testimony, a good name. Listen, in this New Testament era, in this age of grace, in this church age it's called. Now I know there's people that can't come to church because they're, they're bedridden, they're, 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 they're this, there's extenuating circumstances. I know, I get that. But if you have faith, you're going to want to come to church. People that don't have faith don't come to church. What good is it going to do me? Why bother coming back on a Wednesday night prayer meeting? Why go pray for the missionaries? I can do that at home. I can do that any time I want to. We rationalize. But these, Noah didn't build that boat by just thinking about it. He had to go out and do it every day. He was faithful. You see, faith invokes faithfulness. Faith invokes trust that what you're doing, you're doing it for a purpose. People that don't live by faith, they don't come to church. People that don't live by faith, they don't witness. People that don't live by faith, they, they don't live a victorious Christian, overcoming Christian life. They don't give to God's work. Listen, I, I know some of you think I'm quacked and whacked, and maybe I am, but I've been this way for a lot of years now, so what, why change now? When we came out in quick illustration, folks, we put our shovels in the ground. We didn't have a mortgage. We were $200,000 in debt. I couldn't, we couldn't get a mortgage. Nobody trusted us, so we had to do a $750,000 bond, bond program. Some of you are here for that. Because why did we do a bond program? Because no bank in America would trust us. That's why we did it. And we just stepped up by faith. I had people tell me, and they were right. In a very kind, diplomatic way, most of them, Pastor, you're crazy. You're going to destroy this church. This can't be done. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, there's evidence of things not seen. We got $307,000 of debt. Now, I know you got that money hiding in your, your, underneath your mattress. You say, Preacher, are you nuts? We got a regular church. I've said it many times. This is Sunday night. I'm tattling, I'm tattling, I'm telling you how it really is. We got people that could write a check for that. They come once in a blue moon. I'm not counting that I don't have faith that they're going to come through. <laughs> they haven't come through in 30 years. Why would they come through now? The people that give, you know, I'm looking at Jaden right now. Jaden, I'd like to pick on you tonight. It's the 14 year old Jadens that are going to get the work of God done. It's the Rahabs. It's the, it's the uh, off scouring. It's the people that, it's the widow's might. It's the people that you would never suspect. The amount of faith you have in God determines how good of testimony your name carries. I know I probably overuse it, but Slim Abbott. I have in my mind, I'm the only one that has it in my mind because I was in there. Slim Abbott died in a closet. Literally! Back wall wall, here, maybe here, single bed. I was at the old church on 24 West Street when I got the call that Slim had passed into heaven. It was a Saturday, and I beelined it straight to Norfolk. I went to the closet that they made into a makeshift bedroom, a little single bed. There it was, just him and I. I was kind of alive, but he was really alive. 
living more than ever he lived. There he was, getting cold. The corner hadn't been there yet. I looked at him and I said one word, champ, champ. Get my first emotional time. I'm over it now. <laughs> he's up there in the sign. He looks like a Casanova up there on the ladies. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, he's the Casanova guy on the sign out there in the pavilion. But see, I know the Slim Abbott. I got to know the Slim Abbott that you guys didn't get to know. Brother Jim, this is a high compliment. You're close, but not, not all the way. <laughs> You'd have to be, almost be perfect to be a Slim Abbott. He gave everything that he had to the work of God. He lived on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm not joking. He, he lived for the church. I tell you story after story after story. When I think of Slim Abbott, I think of a good Christian. He died almost penniless. That's because he gave so much to the house of God, the work of God. I don't know how much he gave, but I know he gave. Good testimony. Every time I go up to the pavilion and I look at that picture, I put a smile on my face. <laughs> he being dead yet speaketh. Man's man. I think of let me read my note. I'm not sure what I said. If that impression is good, you can be assured that there's a good measure of faith in that person's life. Oh, I didn't, should have read the pre- pre- preceding paragraph. When I think of Christians or I hear of their name, automatically an impression comes across my mind, either good or bad. When I think of Melvin Swanson, Sonny, you know what I think. Same thing you think. Melvin Swanson is 95 years old now, 94 years old. I've told the story many, many, probably hundreds of times now, so I'll, 10 seconds worth. But 56 years he preached. He only had one message. Excellent preacher. Excellent expository preacher. I try to, I've tried to copy him uh, through my ministry. I have, you know, poor job. I mean, he, he just could alliterate any outline there ever was. But he only had one message, one word. Holiness. That's all he ever preached in a thousand different ways. But he lived for God. Never had a TV in his house. He never, he just, when I think of Melvin Swanson, the hearts are gone now because they're at Frank Gagliano's church who grew up in Melvin Swanson's church. I can go through names of people, Holcomb, and I can just name after name after name. Sonny will be the only one here to know who I'm talking about. A people that are serving God today, 50, 70 years later, because the man walked by faith. That sign, the placard, that we don't even read it anymore, but a going church for coming Lord, it's on our bus and it's on our sign. I stole that from Berean Baptist Church. It's on their sign. Been there for 70 years now. They're going church for a coming Lord. He being dead, well, he's not dead. He's almost, <laughs> he's 95 and still going strong. He, they, we buried his daddy. They buried his daddy, Mr. Swanson Sr., at 103 or 102. So he's probably got seven more years. Let me go to my notes here, and I'm going to be done on time here tonight, whatever time, what our time is, whatever that's supposed to be. But 
Every good thing, we're reiterating for a second here, every good thing that you've ever seen will ever happen to you in your life will happen because of faith. Your, your sins are washed away by faith. You have a home in heaven by, that comes by faith. You will have either a good report or a good name, in other words, or a bad name, depending on your faith. I would submit to you that the characters here in this hall of faith, when they were living, they were despised. Crazy no, they would have knocked them up in a nut house it was around today. You think of these men that we now look at great heroes. They were despised when they were living. How many people care that you're at church tonight? How many people know that you're at church tonight? How many people, pardon my slang language, don't give a flip whether you're at a church tonight or not at church tonight? They don't care. But you're here. They know. Subliminally, they know as time goes by. Every good and great accomplishment you'll ever have come to pass comes by faith. Noah said, I'm going to start building a boat. Rich is up in the balcony. Rich, I just had a thought. I just remember. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember we built the foundation? We, we laid the, we spent 300, 400, 500 yard, cubic yards of concrete, three and a half miles of steel rebar. And this, how many remember the hole that stood for, Ken remembers this. This hole, this giant gaping hole. We got pictures of it. Stood, Tim, you remember this. Ray and Bonnie, were, you, you all remember this. This thing sat with a hole, open gaping hole with just a three sides of a wall for a year and a half, almost two years. You have no idea. I, had to write, I got the law book still. I had to write. I was, thought for sure we were getting taken to court by the town of New Hartford. I had to start writing documentation notes with MDC, the water company, the, the water district coming after us. We had everybody in the world coming after us. I had to hide this stuff because it was so bad. It was getting ridiculous. It's getting somebody. Somebody's talking about putting me in jail. I'm not joking. It's, did I ever tell you the story of the fire marshal? Did I ever tell you that one? Stood right where God's my witness. Right here, two days before we opened. Right about right here, six foot three. Mike was his name of the fire marshal. Oh, hey Gene, I didn't see you. I'm, I'm blind up there. I can't see you. And and so he stood right here. And he says, you know, I can have you put in jail. You know that. You're opening up. You don't have a CO, Certificate of Occupancy. I had so much pressure on me. It was you guys' fault, Ken Dayfield. <laughs> I had, there was people, I could name names. Preacher, we got to open up on this September 27th. We were not ready to open up. We were working around the clock for two weeks before that. I was ready to have a nervous breakdown. The fire marshals were threatening to put me in jail. No joke. He said, you don't have a, you're supposed to have an empty pew here, right here. And we, I, I, it take me five minutes to tell you how that story really played out. It was just truly amazing. We got, we had to go to the state fire marshal of the state of Connecticut and get a variance. And we got it. But how did I get off on that rubber trail? I don't know. But uh, we, by faith, oh, I know, Rich, I was back to the Rich story just for a moment here. Just, Rich, remember when we, I don't know if you remember this, I remember it well. We were trying, we had a sack of lumber here. It was dead of winter. We had three, found, three sides of the foundation. This wall was open up. And it was, just, it was wicked cold. Was, I think it was November. And we were out there with hammers, Brother Ray. Not, not, not nail guns, hammers. 
And we were, remember that, Rich? And we were, we were going to strain up this, we were going to start building this wall. We had a string line. It was being rich. I have no clue what I'm doing. Rich had a little bit of a clue, not much more than I had. We were just going to start. And little by little, we trusted God. And now we just take it for granted what God's done for us. God can do exceedingly abundant above all that we think or ask. I've been up to give you a quick illustration here, and we'll, I'm looking at that clock. We'll be done in a few minutes. How many have been to Word of Life, Scroon Lake? Well, some, Gina, I see that hand. How about that? Thank you, Sonny and I. They own an island in the middle of one of the most beautiful lakes in America. They own a campus. They, own a, they, own a, they have a college. They have a, they have a cowboy town. They have, a, they have a camping center. They have an indoor swimming pool. They have, you name it, they got it. Jack Wordson, oh, 80 years ago, 70-something years ago now, just by faith, went out and said, we need a camp for young people. And now there's weird life camps all over the world. All over the world. Not our stripe per se, they're there's, in many ways, they're better than we are. In so many ways, they're evangelistic. They're, they love the Lord. They've they're, they got a lot of wonderful things. Everything we've ever accomplished at Harvest Baptist, we accomplished by faith. Our missionaries. We have no business taking on, from a, from a purely financial point of view, we still have $308,000 of debt. Why are we spending $1,000 every month on missionaries? Or, excuse me, uh, uh, two, two or three thousand dollars every month on missionaries. Used to be more than that. I'm looking at those 22 lights. We're paying every month. We pay X amount of dollars to 22 missionaries. How do we do that? We do that by faith. Ask God to trust us, or ask, ask God to we put our trust in Him. So faith brings results on the mission field. I this is. A 29-year-old message I preached the first time. So I wrote down underneath this, Dr. Abraham. I went to India 29 years ago now, or whatever it's been. Dr. Abraham's been in, been in heaven for, oh, 15, 20 years now. I stood, I, to this day, it's the most people I've ever preached to. I preached to six, seven, eight hundred people. 16 services. Preached, uh, they had a real sophisticated building. They had a building that was a little bit bigger than our building. It was a pavilion, open sides, concrete floor, just a roof, metal roof. I, I preached numbers of times, 16 times, I think, in, or 18 times in 16 days, something like that. Dr. Abraham, he stood in Jerry Falwell's college, Liberty College at the time, one of five graduates of the guy named Larry Maxwell. And he's, each, each one of the ministerial graduates said what they're going to do. And Dr. Abraham said, I'm going back to India to start hundreds of Baptist churches. He went back to India and started hundreds of Baptist churches. I was at the college. I was at the hospital. I was at the orphanage. I saw it with my own eyes. Faith can move mountains. You have faith with a grain of mustard seed. You can stand in this mountain and remove from hence and nothing shall be impossible to you. We need faith in the pastorate. Marty Schott needs faith. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Preach at me, would you? You're in the business world. You need faith. We need successful businesses. We need successful 
laborers, workers. You need faith in the home. I'll be careful here. I just, I'm very humbled. My family is far from perfect, very far from perfect, and many of you know that. But I thank God for my family. I thank God for my kids, and yes, I thank God for the grandkids. I know you probably get tired of hearing that. But I'm thinking, and I'll forever leave it unnamed, but it's a term that hasn't caught on very, I've heard it several years ago. We have in America, uh, thanks to the 60s, and we have, uh, we have millions of orphan el- elders in our society. I go to the nursing home. We got, I was there to visit Nosema Masood in the Valley, Apple Valley on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day it was. There's people in there that had nobody to visit them. They, they, they didn't get married and they didn't have kids or their kids are gone. There's, no, there's nobody for them. Orphan elders. And I have faith. And that crazy middle daughter of mine decided to have seven kids. That's a good thing. IRS helps them out. It's called uh, earn income credit. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, but by faith, have kids. They're cheaper by the dozen, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in. Faith in God and rest gives results. Dr. J.R. Faulkner, I know you don't know who he is, but Sonny and I were at the great, a couple stories I'm done here, and I haven't got to the message. I'm going to do the message in about two minutes. The message is still coming. J.R. Faulkner was assistant pastor of, Robert, uh, uh, of uh, Lee Robertson. We visited the great Highland Park Baptist Church. It had to be 1982. 10,000 people. Lee Robertson baptized 66,000 people in his 40-year pastorate. 66,000. Tennessee Temple University was running 4,500 students. They had campus churches all over Tennessee and in Georgia and far as ways Kentucky and down south. J.R. Fagner was his assistant pastor. A great ministry. It's nowhere to be found today. It's gone. They closed all the doors. The college went down. Dr. Robertson went off the scene. But J.R. Fagner said these words, faith, mighty faith. The promise sees and looks to God alone. Laughs at impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. See, doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes. Faith answers I. I want to give you three. Here's the message here. And I got, I'm looking at the clock. It's five of seven right now. Here's the message, and I'll be done by eight. Uh, did you catch that? And I'll be done by eight. That was supposed to be a joke. I tried. I'll be done by seven, hopefully. Three challenges about faith. About the challenge to have faith to sacrifice. I don't think it's going to be the proverbial rich folks, uh, the, 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 I can't think of his first name, the greens of the world that uh, uh, we tried to make it to. To uh, D.L. Moody's uh, 
Camp Northfield, we didn't make it on Monday. We ran out of time and we had to come on back. We got up to Williamstown, Massachusetts, saw the Haystack Monument and had to come back. But uh, he bought the multi-million dollar campus of the of the D.L. Moody. So I don't think it's going to be Green that takes care of us. Now, he could, it could be somebody like that. I think it's going to be the average person. Jaden, for the fourth time, I'm going to pick on you. I want you to pray what God would have you give for the sacrifice offering. I want you to pray what God would have you to give. Uh, I'm just going to say it. this is not much. In fact, in fact it's uh, almost a penance. Maybe I shouldn't say it. Should I tell you how much I'm planning on giving? Do you want to hear or should I not tell you? I don't know. Should I tell you? Don't, don't tell us? All right, somewhere between a dollar and $100,000. So there. <laughs> I was going to tell you. I would tell you, but I'm not going to tell you. I told you I'm very transparent tonight. Give a sacrificial offering. Let's see if we can wipe out that dead. You know, I'll just give you one for instance, example. Now, we probably would have lost many how because of family, because of, to use the one word, mama, I'm referring to Caleb. I talked to him a couple times this week. We lost Caleb because Victory Baptist Church was able to pay off their million and a half dollars of debt. And all of a sudden they had gobs of money left over now that they were paying the monthly mortgage. Now they could afford to put on their fourth full-time assistant pastor. Just saying. Pray what we could do with the missions. What we could do for the cause of Christ if we didn't pay a million plus dollars in interest debt that we've been paying for the last how many years? The answer to that question is 34 years. Faith to sacrifice. Faith to number two. Faith to stand and stretch. And what, I'm, what do I mean by that? I'm, I'm referring to, we got to stretch our, we got to get back into the invitation business. I know it's harder than ever before to get people in the church. I understand that. But uh, we can't just say it's us four and no more. I was thrilled to see the Petersons here this morning. I was just thrilled to death. I'd love to see us re, 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 reclaim some people that have fallen by the wayside for whatever reason they've fallen by the wayside. I'd love to see us get new people in the church, brand new people. Now, brand new people bring a risk, but that's okay. Ministry is risky business. We've got to expand our horizons. We've got to go after new people. We have to adjust. We have to do whatever we can do to, to throw out the lifeline across the dark way. We've got to be innovative. So I want to encourage you to stretch your faith. I was asked if I'm going to win this to my brother, Gary, tomorrow morning. Yes, the plan is to try to win this to him, of course. My brother's got a lot of baggage, but it's my responsibility to witness to him. It's your responsibility. You've got a family. You've got friends. Make it your responsibility. Faith to sacrifice. Faith to stand and stretch and stretch your horizons and your world in regards to evangelism and discipleship and bringing people into church. And then, I don't want to end on a negative, but I just have my third and last point. Faith to stay. You see, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. He finished his course in a Mamertine prison. He finished his course with the executioner coming and taking off his head with the axe. That's how he finished his course. You say, preacher, I don't like to. I want to finish my course that way. Who does? But I want to finish my course to have an addendum with joy. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Kept the faith. How do we keep the faith? By finishing our course. Stay. I'm going to be real transparent here. We, we lost a number of people. I'm not referring to the hearts. I'm not referring to the schnurs. I'm not referring to... I talked to Spike Brewer about an hour and a half ago. 
Uh, they're, they're trying to come once a month to be with us. They're in Pennsylvania. I'm not talking about people who move away for, because God's called them away. I'm not talking about that. If God's called you away, okay, I have to accept that. Hey, you see Linda. Linda's going. She's going to Florida. She's got to follow her husband. It's, she says what she's doing. She's coming back. But stay, stay in the house of God. I, one of the most satisfying things I've heard from over the years, and I'll be elusive again. Had a number of people leave the church. Had some people say to me, well, why are you leaving? It's just time, was the answer. Just time. Is it time to get out of the house of God? Is it time to quit serving the Lord? Is it time to... Because your family isn't, uh, because things aren't going great. We're struggling, and, and I, I told you for the 18th time in being transparent tonight, we need a system. We've got a beautiful house back there. It's a shame to have a beautiful house and not have it being utilized. But we want to get the right pick. We want to get the right servants of God that God has for us. So we're being careful. We don't have anybody on the proverbial line right now. We need, uh, in case you haven't figured it out, I'm not getting any younger. We need youth. I can't be young again. I'm, I'm going to try to be, I'm going to try to be, here, here's, how, here's how old I am. I'm going to try to be hip. <laughs> what is hip? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to try to, try to, you know, uh, but uh, we need young youth. We need, we need, uh, it was, wasn't nice to have two twins around here, Ryan and Ryder, and have Reagan run around. Wasn't that fun? We need kids. Every church is going through this. We're not, it's not germane to us. That's all right. We just have faith. Faith to stay. Stay, stay, stay in the saddle. Stay in the good times and bad times. Uh, horrendous numbers last two Sundays. Horrendous numbers. Admittedly, I'm just being honest. It's the new Harvest Baptist Church right now. You could look at it negative or you could look at it. I, I turned the coin and said, hey, it's a new start. We started with five people, remember, Linda? We started with 11 people on the first Sunday we was here. And I'm not trying to boast or brag, but we just started there, started new. Just went. One day there was not one stick of that 450-foot ark that, that was, was built. They didn't have any lumber. Noah said to his boys, let's start. Let's go gather some wood. Let's start building. 100 years later, Save the world. Eight souls. I don't know what God has in the future for America. For I don't know what God has in the future for Harvest Baptist Church, but I do know this. I'm going to still walk by faith. I may be a nut. I may be a kook. I want to encourage you to walk by faith, whether you're an Enoch, whether you're a Abel, whether you're a Noah, whether you're a crazy Abraham, whether you're an old man of Moses. Walk by faith, and God can do great things with people that walk by faith. The alternative is not to please God. Why don't we please God and say, by grace, by faith alone, and one day, by walking by faith, we'll obtain a good report. For by it, the elders, by faith, the elders obtain a good report. I'm three minutes over time. We've got to pray. Heavenly Father, bless, we pray. Help us to live for you, we pray. Faith is a victory that overcomes the world. Lord, I know that, Lord, I, I, I love each person that's here, and Lord, I... Amazingly, Lord, I, I'm so conceited, I believe they all love me too. In fact, I'm sure of it. And Lord, I believe everybody here loves you. But we admit tonight, Lord, we don't love you like we ought to. Help us to have more love towards sea. Help us to have 
increase our faith, Lord. We believe. Help with our unbelief. Lord, bless Harvest Baptist Church. I know Sunday, morning, Sunday nights are not in style any longer. They haven't been for years now. And uh, like the malls, maybe they're the thing of the past. But Lord, help us to just keep on keeping on. Help us to be found faithful. Help us enjoy our Christian walk. Well, thank you for it. Bless as we close our service out tonight. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. As we stand, one verse, just one verse of faithful.